You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the Cosmic Pizza Podcast, the show of all sorts that sorts all by serving up a slice of life. What is your order? Ah, I see. The special it is. We'll be there to deliver ASAP. special delivery. In 1983, a chubby, unassuming, geeky cave was born and spent the first 20 years of his life watching too much television, keeping as much useless trivia to memory that he could commit. This man, 10 years later, used these geek credentials to begin co-hosting in the podcasting underground. Today, still lacking in many social graces, he records with a far more talented band of podcasters with sadly no fortune. If you have a topic, if anyone will listen, and if you can message them, maybe you can hire the Cosmic Pizza Team. Loved the intro to that team, and I, I will be mentioning that in a moment. But hello, everybody! It's the Cosmic Pizza Podcast, and I know there's a whole other intro that we normally do, but I was so focused on writing that this morning that I I had to do that bit. Um, with me, as always, is Paul from the UK, Casey from the UK, John from Canada, and we're here to serve you a delicious slice of my childhood on TV. Uh, we did the cartoons, so. Now we've moved on to the live action. We've had Paul. We've had Sean. Now it's my turn to bore the pants off of you with all the things that nobody ever remembers because they're just you know useless bit of trivia. As I excuse excuse me, sir, you didn't introduce you. Who are you? Oh yes. Oh yeah. I'm Dan. I'm some bloke who turned up and decided to do the presenting this week. Um. So hello. <laughs> How is everybody? Um, well, <clears throat> as uh, the, the only other uh, remaining person who is uh, well, should we say, mm. I'm okay, but I think the other two are not so good. Yeah, we're down mm. with the sickness. Ooh, ah, ah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, one foot in the grave, already there, basically. <laughs> well, hopefully I can lift your spirits by taking you on a nostalgic trip to the 80s, the 90s, and just, just edging into the early noughties as well with some of these programs as well. Um, so let's go back in time. Um, a lot of my shows were already cancelled. You were saying how, how we didn't have many funds, how much, you know, and, and this shows in the uh, in the title <laughs> sequence that we've had, that we had absolutely no money to do anything. Dan has had to do all of his own sound effects. I mean, I know it's hard to tell, but he is doing all of our own sound you effects. You can't tell. You can't tell. It's like uh, beatboxing. I can just do it all off off the, the top of my head. You can do it um, all day. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, a lot of my shows have already been mentioned. Um, I know that uh, I have a lot of crossover with Sean. He mentioned quite a few shows, including the one that inspired my little intro as well. But I will mention them again just a little bit. Um, but uh, I'm going to start sort of going decade by decade, the key shows, and then sort of go through from there as well. Um, so before I was even born, uh, 1983, before that, um, there were a couple of shows that were sort of out there and I caught the tail end of or saw repeats of as I was growing up. And that was sort of in the atmosphere. It was around me as I was growing up. And it kind of set the tone for the rest of what I was into. Um, so going back to the 60s, you got Batman 69. Um, of course, Star Trek was out there. Star Trek's my big love, but I'm coming up to that a little bit later in the 90s when it got re re brought back to the tv and and brought back into the the public consciousness um so i'll talk about that later but batman 69 with the pals and the wax and the you know na 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 it was everywhere uh batmania was always going to be there absolutely loved it it's you know uh, adam west one of the best batmen of all time um of course you must have all seen it or at least an episode or at least a meme about batman 69 same bad time, same bad channel. If I could find them, I think they're in the other room, so I can't. Uh, I do have the DVD. Paul was just looking around like he had the bat pole at the back. Like he was know, just going to jump yeah, down and shh. Making sure you can't see it. Um, yeah, no, it's in the other room. I could swear I brought them in here. As as anyway, this is where uh, Paul always says, I've got the DVD. I, I've, got, I've got the Blu-rays, actually, to be, to be uh, precise. Um, they're just not in this room. It's, it's like you've been podcasting with us for years, Casey. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, Batman 69. I mean, it's so camp. It's so over the top. As a kid, I didn't register that. I didn't get it. And I didn't get the jokes and everything like that. Since going back and watching everything and seeing all of the double entendre and all the, the, the silly jokes that they put in and, and that wonderful scene where... Adam West is talking to himself as both Bruce Wayne and Batman, but he's going from phone to phone to phone. It's so good. So good. Um, but it, it was silly. It was daft. It was colorful. And it had kind of like a, a gimmick. It's Batman, but it's kind of like, you know, a, a live comic book. Um, speaking of that, you've also got into the seventies, three shows, which again were kind of out there, but they had that, that hook that pitch to it it was e easy to guess where you were the first one being the original 70s Battlestar Galactica Um, he doesn't have to do all of them, but I have sent him an awful list of YouTube clips and links to all of these theme tunes, so he can pick whichever runs he wants. Um, but Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers, uh, which I was very tempted to try and write my own version of that one because I love that intro as well. But Buck Rogers, who goes into the 21st century, uh, 25th century, uh, he's launched into Arbit. Arbit. I don't know why the Americans say Arbit, but there we go. 
Um, and the other one was Mork and Mindy, a really silly show with Robin Williams as the alien, uh, the titular Mork, and he meets up with Mindy and they have very uh, silly adventures where he sort of just learns about humanity and stuff like that. But these were three shows where there was a big sort of hook. It's a guy in the 25th century, Battlestar Galactica, uh, Galactica is about this lost tribe of humans, and Mork and Mindy, it's an alien who comes to Earth who's just trying to learn lessons. Um, any of those three for you guys? Mork and Mindy was definitely one of my favourites. Uh, absolutely amazing with the uh, what was it? What was the name of the big head? Was it? The, or was it just the big head? Oh, or, uh, Orson? Was mm. it uh, Orson? Yes. Or, yes. Yeah, yeah. The little monologue at the end, sort of summing up the uh, the, the episode, was really, really good. Um, and also a couple of spin-off shows from that as well. So it's it's uh, absolutely fabulous. And Robin Williams, I mean, who. As it was basically where he made his name, wasn't it? I mean, it's, it's uh, without that, the rest of it doesn't come along. Um, but yeah, just fabulous, fabulous stuff. Any thoughts from the walking? Oh wizard? no! <laughs> I mean, I was too young. I, I'm too. Oh. I think I was too young for any of this stuff. Nano, you know, nano. I, wasn't, I was born mm. in '93, so I some some of this is just like I think I recognise <laughs> the names of most things, but like specifically theme tunes or people involved in those projects might be a little bit too out of my uh <laughs> out of out of my wheelhouse keep keeping my fingers crossed i mean you do you do know who robin williams was oh yes absolutely yeah. so, absolutely yeah. but i wouldn't have known that that was his sort of entrance mm -hmm. into or his his push through into stardom mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He was uh, he was playing a character that I think was originally an imaginary friend on Happy Days, and then they liked him so much that they then gave him his own star vehicle show of Morgan Mindy playing the alien for real um, who comes to Earth and and in an egg, really weird, um, and just literally every week learns a new lesson about humanity, but with Robin Williams just going nuts. He would pick a random thing uh, on the stage and just play with it for 30 minutes. Um, there was a uh, there was a woman who was wearing like a shawl and he would pull it off because it looked like an old alien creature that on his planet kills you. So he's like ripping it apart, stamping on it and doing all this crazy like uh, physical comedy that would go with it. We loved that in our house and physical comedy was such a big thing with our house because uh, all four of my grandparents were deaf. So you couldn't just enjoy a stand-up comic uh, who could just, just stand there and, uh, on the screen and, and look at you. It had to be a visual thing. So there were loads of shows in our house that were visual comedies, lots of which was touched when uh, Paul's uh, episode with the two Ronnies, you know, it was something visual there. You had bright, colourful comedies, comedians. My grandparents never really liked stand-up comics or impressionists because they just couldn't hear them. They didn't get the point. So having something like Mork and Mindy that was bright and colourful was always there. So it just carried on. Now, all my grandparents sadly passed away before I could remember them, but that stayed with my parents. So bright, colourful, and something with a big hook is the big theme for all of my TV shows. There were so many things. Every time I started thinking about something, it's like, oh, that reminds me of this program. That reminds me of this program. That reminds me of this program. So I've tried to limit myself now from the 80s, from the uh, decade I'm born, to the ones that I made a concerted effort to watch every single episode. And this is a back in the time. Kiddies, if you're listening, anyone under 18 years old, you never heard it so good um, because you can watch it whenever you want on your phones. 
Um, we had three channels when I was growing up, and then we came up to four, and then we ended up with five just as, uh, you know, v- uh, DVD technology was sort of taking off and everything like this. Um, so we had to watch what our parents watched. So there was Dallas, and there was, you know, loads of other programs out there. Uh, Highway to Heaven was another one. Uh, which was in the 80s and all this sort of stuff, which I watched, but they weren't my programs. They were my parents' programs. So the first one, my program, the one that I absolutely loved, the one that I fell in love with the Hoff was Knight Rider from 82 onwards. Um, It's been rebooted so many times. The idea of the super intelligent supercar who could take on the world, uh, but uh, it was always taking the mickey out of the stupid human of Michael Knight. Um, uh, The character Michael Knight uh, wasn't actually Michael Knight. He was a police officer who was shot in the pilot episode and they they bought him. I think the, the Knight Corporation bought him, gave him plastic surgery to look like the son of the billionaire who runs the corporation, Michael Knight, a lone Avenger in the darkness um, with his car. And every week it was a problem that you could only solve by driving to it. Um, it's great. Uh, you can always make a car look like it's flying by going into slow-mo. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, it's like the Bionic Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Knight Rider. Has anyone seen that one? Seen the the reboots? There's been three reboots uh, of that franchise. Three reboots. Wow, I didn't know yeah, that. One um, one in the nineties, one in the early thousands, and then I think they've tried again recently as well. I've seen one of the uh, one of the recent ones. Of course, I've seen some of the originals. I couldn't say that I've watched all of them, um, but certainly enough to to enjoy it and really like it. And you know, that, that, if I'd been a lot younger. I, I mean, I can still appreciate it, but I mean, if I was a lot younger, if I was in my early early teens, maybe, or even you know, sort of into my you know, 11, 10s, 11, 12s, I would have loved that show because it's exactly right. It's a car. It can mm-hmm. do things by itself. It, it's just, it's gadget geekery at its best, you know. It's, and I was really into cars as well. So, um, so, but I think it was just, I was just a little bit older and mm-hmm. therefore it didn't sort of grab me as much. But I still, but I when um, we went into one of our local uh, car festivals um, a, a year or so ago, uh, which is just down the road from us here, and uh, walked in and there's a replica of Knight Rider just sat there in the field, <laughs> and it's making the noises and was the mm. as the lights go on and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Everybody's just stood around and going, oh, even though it's not the real thing. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. But yeah, it, it continued. You had the Batmobile from the 69. So now you've got the Knight Rider. You know, you've just got the cool black car that everybody wants. Uh, the other two, how you doing? How you feeling? Uh, we're hanging in there, I think. Um, <laughs> as, as for Knight Rider, I don't have specific memories of watching it as a kid, but I was aware of it. I feel old. You no, know, the theme tune. And I thought the car was called Kit. So that must be from something yeah. else. That's no, it. that's Kit. Kit the car. There you go. K-I-T-T. Night, night, night Industries 2000. <laughs> 2000. That's it. There we go. I um, did not know yeah. it was an abbreviation, Nothing. so I'm just learning oh. so much already. <laughs> <laughs> so I told you, useless trivia that was committed to memory years and years ago. Um, 
that that program was so successful it sort of spawned lots of other very similar let's take a vehicle and plonk it into a, a show where we can solve crimes uh so there were loads of other things like that as well um there was airwolf in 84 two years later which um you know there are better movies such as paul's favorite where there's a better armored helicopter but the tv show the one for the kids was airwolf it's a it, you know it's a commercial air um helicopter that in no way could be used in a, a, a tactical capacity but because they played it in slow-mo and they made it speed speed up and then slow down it made it look like it was super powered it's fantastic and uh, with jan michael vincent um i forgot to give you the link actually paul to um the um rick and morty episode where they just talk about jan michael vincent for five minutes and just say his name over and over again but Jan Michael Vincent is Jan Michael Vincent, being a Michael who is Jan Michael Vincent. Um, but Airwolf was just one of those things. Another one was Street Hawk. He was a computer programmer nerd who was given a bike, and that's it. That was the whole point of it. He was a nerd who was given a bike for no good reason, but it was a tactical assault vehicle. Um, but there was loads of things with a vehicle. But the real big one from the 80s. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. is what i based my intro on it's the 80 it is the big black van that belongs to ba baracus who is part of the the rogue squadron of soldiers of fortune who were accused of a crime they didn't commit and now they uh, they exist to help you out by making spud guns and solving your problems with backyard rubbish um uh, any thoughts anyone seen the program anybody remember it once again i knew about it but never saw it I don't know. I don't know how I missed all this stuff back then, but I was watching cartoons, I guess. This this was Saturday evening for us. We would we um, at the time. Obviously, my mum was pretty much a you know home. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Housewife. And mm-hmm. uh, she at that point she wasn't working. She was just doing uh, voluntary stuff. So she would be at home, ready to make the dinner, you know, every day, every working day. And when my dad came home, on, or rather, uh, when my, uh, my dad was off at the weekends. He would do the cooking, uh, except on Saturdays where we would either have uh, a takeaway, which would generally be fish and chips or sausage and chips or something along those lines, uh, fries for our American listeners. And uh, that would alternate between hot dogs, which he would just open a can of hot dog sausages and throw them into buns and we would have hot dogs, um, or burgers of some description. And that was Saturday night. Sunday, he'd make a nice big roast, but that's another story. So... My um, and we were we were, at the time we were just on the border of, of becoming sort of uh, old enough to be a bit more responsible and understanding. So as young kids, we were always taught you have your dinner at the table, the dinner table. You eat your dinner and then you ask politely if you can leave and go into the living room and watch the television. And then my, um, and our room was uh, the layout of the house was like a big L shaped house. Uh, so you'd have the living room was one bit and then. The other bit was the dining room, but there was no wall there. It was just a, like an open space. My dad made this divider, basically out of wood, 
to sort of divide the two rooms into one. And we'd have shelves that you could see through from, you know, so you, from either side you could see through. And what we used to do is is um, sit down Saturday night uh, around about 5 o'clock, 5.30, somewhere around there, just as all of the A-team, Battlestar, um, Dukes of Hazard, you know, all of these sort of Saturday evening shows, Starsky and Hutch, they'd all come on around about that time. And uh, we eventually realized that my dad had made these shelves with a bigger hole in the middle. And he then said, oh, well, maybe we'll just turn the TV around. So he turned the TV around so it would look through this gap <laughs> in the shelves. Thought, oh, okay, you want to watch the TV while you're having your dinner. And uh, so all these years he's been telling us, no, no, no TV. You know, you got to eat your dinner, then you can go watch the TV. <laughs> Nobody could, you know, no video recorders in them days. It was very early, just before video recorders were starting to come in, you know, mainstream. So th that was it. Then every Saturday we'd be uh, we'd sit down at the table. Dad, can we turn the telly around? Right, right, okay. Yeah, <laughs> wheel the TV around. You know, these big, big, you know, cathode ray tube things you know, with half a ton of metal work in them. You know, trying to turn it around. So, um, so that's when we used to watch the A Team and et cetera, et cetera. All these shows that you're you're telling us about now. Uh, that's when we would watch them. Anything that was mm -hmm. you know, Mark and Mindy. If it's if it's on at that time of the day, then that's that's basically when we used to watch it. So yeah, that's as you're mentioning these, I'm thinking, yep, there's another one. <laughs> yep, there's another one. <laughs> Taking me to the pack is really. It's good. interesting that you mentioned the, the whole VHS thing because um, Dad, my pre prevailing memory of Dad back then was a big gadget guy. He loved his gadgets. So any chance to buy the newest record player, cassette player, um, you know, he was uh, he was eager to get hold of a CD player for the first time and things like that. But he got a Betamax and he got a VHS. So he loved both types of technology. So we had the facility to try and record these programs because sometimes there was a conflict. We only had the three channels going into four channels. So we couldn't watch all of them at the same time. Um, and there were sort of big programs coming out at the time. Once we'd moved on from these sort of adult programs that I was watching because there was that hook and a, a car and all this kind of stuff that got me, the little kid who was wearing his A-team jumper when it was uh, dressed down day at school. And there was a school photo with me wearing the jumper not the school jumper because i was so adamant i had to wear it um once i moved away from that the key thing about my childhood is that there were these programs that would host other programs so on bbc and on itv or what it was called then uh thames television uh would then do citv children's itv there were these programs that you would start watching and then they might introduce a celebrity do a little interview then they would introduce a cartoon and then 20 minutes later you'd come back same presenters they'd play a little game show they'd call you on your phone and you would uh call out directions on your phone and guide the thing and then you win a prize at the end hey well done for winning your prize now we're going to go and watch the 18 and they would introduce the next program so there would be these presenters who were always there on uh, the bbc you had going live from 87 onwards you had uh, uh that went into live and kicking into the 90s you had motormouth which was at the exact same time but i loved watching both so the only way of watching both was for dad to record one for me so i could then go back and watch it again <laughs> on this tiny little again cathode road uh, tv that was hooked up to the betamax so that i would be there sitting there watching motormouth on citv an hour after uh, I'd been watching Going Live and I'd been watching all these other programs as well. So throughout the 80s into the 90s, there are all these programs. There are 
puppets that were always used in these programs as well. It was something that came with it. So the, my first one, the one that I fell in love with, was Hello uh, Ratbags, Roland Rat, <laughs> who in the UK is a big thing from that time. Again, not everyone's heard of it now, but Roland Rat was like one of the puppets. Uh, you had Gordon the Gopher, who was just this squeaky puppet, didn't actually speak, but that was from going live and from loads of other things as well. You had uh, a TV personality called Timmy Mallet, who would host the Wackaday program, which was their version of bringing in all these uh, things where we would hit kids with a, a soft sponge foam mallet uh, for saying the word blur. If you said blur, you got hit on the head. Everyone wanted to say blur. It was a thing. Don't ask me why. Uh, but these programs were always there. So they were a live action program that wasn't really scripted, but you would watch it. It was something that drew you in. And there was always the puppets to, to bring the kids in as well. So Roland Rat, Gordon the Gopher. Um, later on in Live and Kicking, you have Mr. Blobby, who was introduced in a program that I'm going to mention later in the in the 90s. But there were always those characters as well. So that's something that, I'm you know, that's in the background. But that was another show that you would watch. And through that, I found all of those cartoons that I mentioned back in my cartoons episode. So if you are listening, if you haven't subscribed yet to the Cosmic Pizza podcast, go back and listen to our cartoons episode where we talk about lots of things like the X-Men and Spider-Man and all those things, all those cartoons that I was introduced to through these hosting shows. There we go. Yeah. Sean, do your promo right. stuff. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Hey, you know what now is a good time for? How about a promo for another podcast right here on the ESO Network? The Epsilon 3 is a dream-given forum. It's a home away from home for three guys to watch a 90s sci-fi classic TV show. Three guys with microphones over 3,249 miles apart, all alone in the night. The year is 2262. The place... Babylon 5. The podcast, The Epsilon 3. On the ESO Network. There we go. <laughs> right. Um, so, after that fantastic show that we just had a promo for. Which, uh, which, gonna... which I have to say was some sort of yes. um, science fiction show from the 90s. Um, mm. Hosted by three people. Um Weird. Uh, about are they babbling about it? Babbling it a just... lot about it, I think. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Very strange. Not not five people, just just three people. Just three. Um, oh, okay. But but babbling on about uh, uh, the fifth space station or something. Oh my god! Ah, there we go. All that sales training from back in the day. There we go. Um. <laughs> Uh, so after doing the the promo for uh, our show, so go and listen to the Epsilon 3, the Babylon 5 rewatch, um, we're going to end out the 80s on uh, a couple of my favourite shows as well. Uh, the biggest one, the one that I really want to talk about is Nightmare.
spelt K-N, night, not night as in nighttime. Um, this wasn't a scripted show. This was a kid's show from 1987 all the way up to 1994. It was very popular, just as D&D was sort of just coming into popularity. And VR was also becoming its thing. You'd had Lawnmower Man, the, the movie out and this sort of thing. Um, they had brought in green screens as well as almost affordable ways of bringing lots of sets into one studio. You had this man who was a dungeon master who would sit there and invite university students to uh, as a team of four come into the studio one of them will be picked to place a helmet over his head and be shoved into a green screen room not that he'd know that we thought he was in a castle being moved into a mystical world and going on a journey where he cannot see the visor was completely over and he would be walking in and he would be relying on his three friends to tell him to go right left forward backward run a bit stay still uh maybe pick up a potion maybe try and trade with the old lady who's talking to him there would be this poor person for weeks on end this would go over for six weeks at a time these people playing a live action larping D, &D game that would be a game show and the dungeon master would try and give them hints if he could to try and help out they would have to solve riddles with a really bad cgi face that would come out of the wall which today would just make kids laugh um but we believed it back then we thought these kids were going into this make-believe world and now when you look back and i've given uh, a a little video clip to paul in the show notes um hopefully we can we can put it on there you look back on it now and it is just laughable it is such bad cgi such bad costumes so much overacting from the dungeon master so be careful everybody he's going to go for you you need the special potion of protection perhaps it's a green one it's like oh yeah go collect the green one from the table yeah all right dave yeah go, go on take three steps forward two steps to the left move 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 and then he falls into a trap and dies and six weeks of playing this game has come to an end and the, the team has lost um anyone heard of it anyone thought no no nope. lots of shit. i, I think no. you're making it up <laughs> yeah. it was one of the greatest you can actually still watch it on youtube in its entirety so you can go back to the very beginning in 1987 and watch it it's a very addictive uh program to watch because you are on the edge of your seat waiting for these kids to to tell him to stand to the left or stand to the right but then the kid wearing the helmet can't remember his left or right so he steps on the wrong side falls into a trap and dies again and until they get to the end of the maze the dungeon or whatever the the mission was it that year um that that group of kids are just stuck there playing this game show until the game is over and that's it uh but whatever team were in the very last week so as soon as a team loses another team comes in to continue the story as it goes whatever team was on the last week of the season each year were guaranteed to win so you always want to be the last team to be picked wow. for the year season and you were automatically given a win even if you didn't get to the end of the story the dnd story um and you were always magically the the shield of destiny has appeared on your laptop oh <laughs> wonderful and then you know oh you won oh okay fair enough so there was no jeopardy if you were the last one if it was the last week of the season you know they're gonna win it's absolutely fine <laughs> oh trust kind me kind of given me like um crystal maze jungle run vibes but 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 yeah. virtual reality as opposed to 
uh, you know, just running around a set that <laughs> looks like a jungle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Crystal Maze came from that as well. There was lots of things of like a group going around doing loads of challenges and stuff. Again, that was one of my dad's programs, but I got into it through them as well. But absolutely love the Crystal Maze. Uh, I don't know if, is there like a, a Canadian or a, an American equivalent that would have been on the TV over there, Sean, of like a, a game show that kind of had kids playing a, a long form ornament? Probably was, but I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm, Fort, I was trying to do Fort some research Boyard, to see if it actually. Is that one? Fort Boyard. Fort Boyard yeah. Yes. Um, a same premise, but in a Napoleonic fort, and you do challenges to try and win your way off the Napoleonic fort. Um, oh, it says here on um on the internet beyond the seventh door. Sean, does that ring a bell with you? No, nope. not even a little bit. <laughs> There, I feel like it's a, it's something that could come back quite easily now, certainly with CGI, certainly with the green screen LED technology that is available uh, and the real sets. You wouldn't have to have someone wearing a visor. They could actually have someone, you know, go through the journey and then his team is calling him out to try and help him. Um, I, I'm really surprised why they haven't tried to reboot it and bring it back because it would be quite a cheap way of making a game show uh, for kids. Yeah, they'd be more interested uh, in CGI and stuff. The last, the last one I could find is a thing called Unleashed on Canadian Nickelodeon. Ooh. But that's it. That's all I could I, find. I need to find that. <laughs> uh, so moving on to finish off the eighties, there were lots of other little programs. There was a an Australian invasion on the TV at this point. Lots of programs from Australia came over. You had the two big soap operas. You had Neighbours. Uh, and you had Home and Away, but that brought with it a lot of kids' TV too. We had Pug War, uh, we had uh, Round the Twist, which was kind of like the Twilight Zone, but for kids about a family who live in a lighthouse with ghosts. That went on for years. That was 1989 to 92 for the original series, then got rebooted into the 2000s as well. But it was uh, the the family living in um, this lighthouse, this magic lighthouse, and every week there would be a new thing. A kid would discover a mermaid near the thing, and he would suddenly discover the the power of love or something like that. It would be really weird, um, but it was fantastic. And uh, please, please, Paul, do play the theme tune because it's one of the greatest theme tunes ever to round the twist. Have you ever, ever felt like this? How strange things happen. Are you going Ever, ever felt like this is a great one um i think round the twist uh 89 to 92 the original series uh is the one that i've given you oh round the twist yes you have yes you have 
Yeah, so that's right, because it confused me. I was like, next gen? Was he talking about Star Trek already? <laughs> no, no, there was a whole generations of Round the Twist, uh, the Twist family who, who ran the lighthouse. Um, and there was an ongoing story with two ghosts who just were always talking to each other, but the family never knew they were there. But there was always like an aside bit where the two ghosts were talking, and it went on and on and on and on. And after the four years of the first original series, you eventually find out why they've been talking. And there was this whole love story that they were waiting for a ship to come in, that they needed to light the the uh, lighthouse for. And then the ship was carrying the loved one of one of the ghosts. And then they all got to ascend at the end. And it was like this beautiful finale to end the show. Um, it's so bonkers. It's such a weird show. I can't really describe what it was like to watch it. But you had all these, these kids just going through random Twilight Zone-esque adventures. And then at the end of it, they just kind of have their meal back in the lighthouse. Very strange. <laughs> As um, you do. Yeah, very strange. Um, to end the 80s is a big one, something I think everyone's heard of, possibly seen an episode of, um, and it's Scott Bakula. It is Quantum Leap, starting in 1989. <laughs> through a rewatch or, or rather a watch because I, I don't think I ever saw all of them yeah. have you seen the new series or are you still waiting to do I'm, that in your watch I'm still yeah it could be another year before we get to the end of this the way things are going we want to grab an episode every now and again uh, but yeah uh, yeah really good really good uh, typical sort of, uh, I was, I'll put it even into like late 70s early 80s sort of television uh, you know, the, the sort of guy comes along cleans, cleans up the town moves on you know, that's, that's the stuff that we like um so yeah, and I, I had watched a couple of episodes, you know, when it was on originally, uh, but then we found it on one of the obscure channels, and uh, me and my wife have been watching it now and again, um, and trying to get trying to get through it so we can get to the to the new one and see what that's like. So yeah, it's good. It was so heartfelt. I just love it. It's just you have these two actors who are just playing off each other. You know, uh, Scott Bakula just being the the likable every guy who can just seemingly do everything um and then his psychic hologram that only he can see in here solving the problems and and hoping that his next leap will be the leap home um it's it's hard to match it and it's just such it's such nice tv to watch um and we've actually been successful in trying to get our kids to watch it it's very rare they like to watch programs that mum and dad like because they've got so many options with youtube and everything like that so for them to actually take 45 minutes out of their day to watch something we like that's it's got to be you know something uh on its behalf um but yeah love it he leaps into a body and that's it changes the world mm -hmm. sean yeah i love that show I, I i probably discovered it in the last couple of years of its run um and to this day i'm still disappointed that scott Bakula never said oh boy on enterprise <laughs> yeah that's it very true very true <laughs> And you know the reason people were choosing into to Enterprise probably was because of that nostalgia for Quantum Leap. Oh yeah, Casey, have you seen it? No, oh no, ah, uh, you've, you've got. I something have there. not. I have not, and I'm kind of racking my brains for 
TV shows that I would talk about um, that are just <laughs> they're just so far like away from from all of this stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Quantum Leap is not one that's in my uh, <laughs> repertoire of watched TV shows. I recommend. I highly recommend if you can. It's it's such a lovely show to to jump into every week. You you know, there's no continuing arc in the first original series. Now with the reboot, they've tried to make it a bit more of an arc where you know there's the time traveler who's stuck and the team are trying to desperately get him back. Whereas that was already a given in Quantum Leap, but we never really went back there. The the time that he came from, we never really explored. There's a couple of episodes where they do, but it's not really the the big hook of the show is this guy goes to the 50s, the 60s, the 70s in his own lifetime, time traveling to save the problems or right the world where it once went wrong. And it's just a nice theme. Uh, You know, it's such a, you know, homely kind of wholesome show as well. Um, Speaking of time travel, as I go into the 90s, I'm sticking with time travel with a show that I don't think anyone remembers. I've brought it up in so many chat rooms and 90s, you know, shows you can't remember and all this kind of stuff. And nobody ever mentioned it. There was one guy back when I used to work in the foreign office who was like, oh, yeah, I can't remember that. And that's the closest I've ever got to someone remembering it. It's a show called Kappa 2. lasted for two years from 1990 to 1992 and it's about two time twins it is basically a reworking of the prince and the pauper where a famous space time person sports star comes back in time to swap with his time twin who is basically just the same actor um to swap places he's fed up of his superstar lifestyle as the highest paid kappa 2 player in the universe um and he wants to live the life of an ordinary kid in the 1990s and so he's going to swap with this 1990s kid who's going to go to the 23rd century and play kappa 2 for him but there's this evil conniving merchandising lady with really short stocky red hair who's on to him and she is going to expose this uh horrible plot to bring this 1990s kid into the 23rd century to play our sport. Uh, there's a hologram at one point who helps him out. It, it's so weird that I remember this show, but it's one of those ones that I had to watch every single week. I could not not watch Kappa 2. It's got a great theme tune. It was the introduction to TV for, at least for the UK audience, Denise Van Outen, who went on to be host at one of the hosting shows that I mentioned earlier, The Big Breakfast in the 90s. Um, it was just such a great concept. And I again, I really wish people remembered it and they brought it back. If they could reboot it, it would be a great show. Sounds like Hannah Montana to me. <laughs> it is kind of, yeah, I suppose it is Hannah Montana of its day, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Not so like Kappa 2, I've check seen. it out. Yeah. It, the entire two seasons are on YouTube because uh, no one owns the rights to it. So it's prime, people. Come no, on. No one wants the rights to it. <laughs> It's so bad. It's like really bad Doctor Who with the flimsy sets. And, you know, it's the 23rd yeah. century, but everything's plastic. What's going on? <laughs> That's where I thought you were going. I thought you, you, I thought you were being sarcastic when you were like talking about time travel and a show no one's heard of. I thought you were going to see Doctor Who. <laughs> well, you see, now I am the generation that didn't have a doctor. I just missed out on Sylvester McCoy and didn't have a doctor until the 2000s. So 
I never grew up on Doctor Who. It was just not a thing. And my parents weren't into it, so I didn't get into it. Uh, we didn't have the VHSs or anything like that, so I missed the, the, the whole Doctor Who genre. But I had Kappa 2 in its place, so it was absolutely fine. I think you have um, to hand back your uh, British citizenship now. <laughs> I know, I think I do. Yeah. That's oh, right. I, I caught up. I caught up. I'm not a true yeah. fan, but I caught up. Yeah, got it, got uh, it on iPlayer. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> but talking about crap kids programs for some reason i, I thought we watch. were <laughs> <laughs> oh no it gets worse trust oh, me it gets worse um keeping the theme going there were some really bad programs that again for some reason i made a point to try and watch every single week because they had that hook spats which was from 1990 to 1992, about a fast food chain run by, uh, it was uh, an American and a Canadian. The Canadian was a great guy, of course, as we know from Sean, um, but the American was this conniving, it's profits first and all this sort of stuff. But they were a British fast food chain restaurant and all of the, it was like the hijinks that they got up to as they were trying to beat Murga Burger that was across the high street. And that was it. It was so stupid, but for some reason I had to watch it. Um, Mike and Angelo, which was all about a kid called Mike, who was an American kid who came to live with foster family in the, in the UK. And this alien called Angelo appears in his closet and they go on weird and wacky adventures. And that, believe it or not, as a premise, lasted from 1989 all the way to 2000. Um, 11 years out of a very stupid promise. Uh, I had no idea why. And woof. That's it. That's the name of the show. <laughs> Woof. 1989 to 97 was, it was about a boy who could turn into a dog sometimes. Uh, as long as he didn't scratch the back of his neck, he didn't turn into the dog. And yeah, he would solve crimes or something. I can't quite remember, but it had a great theme tune. So I would always tune in for Woof. And then there was like the original series with the black dog. But then three years later, then the kid grew too old. So they had to get a new kid. So now they've got the white dog who's all nice and fluffy. That, you know, forget the next gen series. It's all about the original series. It's all about the original dog for me. Um, but that was Woof. Uh, then you've got Saved by the Bell. You've got, you know, these uh, Clarissa Explains All, which is when I fell into, you know, in love with Melissa Joan Hart. Um, who goes on to do Sabrina the Teenage Witch and and lots of other things as well, who is now playing a granny, a nan, and apparently that set the internet ablaze like a couple of months ago that this woman who is 48 is now playing a nan and how oh, dare she? Uh, but there we go. I fell in love with her. She is gorgeous and she's amazing. Um, another I, know, program... I, know, I know the feeling of being a young uh, grandfather. Um, <laughs> yeah. sort of. You're far too young. Far too young. Um, there is a program that actually links into something Paul mentioned. Now, he talked about a program called How back in the day. Oh. I I used to watch the reboot, which was How 2. In 1990 to 96, where Carol Vorderman and two other presenters, Fred Dibney and I can't remember the third guy now, um, would basically explain science concepts oh. in fun and unusual ways and sort of take you through how does this happen? So they would go on and, and sort of explain it all. Um, so it was good fun. Um, 
it was a nice little science program for kids. Yeah. Uh, Carol Vorderman. Carol Vorderman. Carol yes, Vorderman. that's that's another one. <laughs> yeah. That's another one. Yeah. Uh, to to Sean, uh, Carol Vorderman is a very smart lady who uh, was in charge of the numbers on a very famous game show called Countdown over here in the UK. Uh, that sort of started her as her TV career, but she is fully fledged like PhD mastery in mathematics and engineering, and, engineering and yeah, all this kind of stuff. That so like, you know, build, uh, smart, the... uh, smartest of smart, but she's known for putting numbers on a board in a game yes. show. That's her yeah, famous yeah. thing. Yeah, she's an engineer right. who helped build the uh, one of the power stations uh, up in North Wales. Mm-hmm. It's very and, famous lady. And then was tempted by large sums of money to appear on TV. <laughs> who wouldn't? Yeah. Um, the next big one from the 90s was uh, a show that only lasted for a year, which was criminal in my opinion. Omri Katz starred in Erie, Indiana. This was um, it, it basically a kid moves to a Midwestern town. Weird, strange things happen. He is the only one who seems to notice these things happening and goes to investigate with his best friend. Um, it only lasted a season and it's just criminal that it didn't go any further. It was truly spooky in some episodes. There were loads of haunted house episodes and weird, creepy things going on. And he would expose them, but no one would ever believe him. Anyone mm. seen Erie, Indiana? Yeah. I, I knew about no, it, but I didn't I, watch it. It sounds pretty realistic, to be honest. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> For that part of the world. Anybody listening that does happen to live in that part of the world, that's not meant offensively. There's just some really strange things that happen in uh, certain areas of America. And no one ever believes you when you talk about it, so... Based on true. based on fact, <laughs> yes, <that's right>. yeah. <laughs> especially when it's exposed by Omri Katz, who was like the uh, the cool, good looking kid um, who, for some reason, he dominated TV for like one year in pop culture. And then no one ever saw him for ages. He was in um, the Hocus Pocus movie. Uh, he did like loads of other movies as well. I'm blanking all the names, but it was like for one dedicated year and then disappeared now i think he's he's he, either getting him confused with someone else but i think he's a hairdresser now and he just retired and just runs his own business has nothing to do with hollywood or the spotlight um but omri cats he was he was the guy yeah um my wife when i was doing the research for this was like you have to mention this show if you don't we get divorced um <laughs> because she fell in love with omri cats whereas i had uh, melissa joanne hart she had omri cats well, I think what you need to do, Dan, is pay me large sums of money. Otherwise, I'll edit this bit out of the podcast and she'll, she'll think you're not. <laughs> she'll <know the> end. <laughs> Damn it. Unmarked envelopes it is. Oh, God. Uh, there were loads of other crap TV shows. I'm sorry. I know you love it, um, uh, Sean, the Robocop movie series, but it did spawn possibly one of the worst TV shows I ever watched, which was the Robocop TV show. Uh, I'm taking you've seen it. I've watched the heck out of it and I loved it and I knew it was horrible, oh, but I couldn't it's stop terrible. It. It's rough for sure. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that Kappa 2 show has like nothing on Robocop. Like we talk oh, about no. wobbly sets and, and Pugface that Pugface Morgan. Was it? Pugface Pud, 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 Morgan. Yeah. 
it was a guy with like a pudgy mask thing that he would wear every week and he was somehow the villain to robocop this invincible unstoppable metallic police officer it was a guy with a pudgy face that was it that was that was the villain um yeah really bad um another one was the queen's nose which again was based on a series of books a bit like woof but it had this hook where you had a girl who had a 50 pence piece that was magic. You rub the queen's nose on the 50 pence piece and he grants you a wish each week. And she would also solve the problem of the week. But it was really cutesy kind of like, oh, no, um, Mrs. Miggins teapot cozy has gone missing. Where's it going to be? Ring The teapot cozy is back. Uh, and that's it until next week. Um, so the queen's nose was just another one as well. Uh, the big sci-fi shows that came out, obviously, we've got Babylon 5, as we've mentioned in our promo. And the other show that obviously, you know, uh, stole the whole concept was Star Trek Deep Space Nine. show because obviously tng had already been going as i was growing up i didn't really see when it launched i caught a cut i caught up with it later deep space nine was the one i remember from launch watching from day one all the way through and sort of kept that star trek love going as well uh, but no again if you haven't seen star trek deep space nine's a good place to start it's a really good one um it's probably the most modern of the original shows in the sense of how they produce the show the ongoing arcs the story the characters it just makes it a lot better. much more approachable i think to a modern audience let's keep him with the geek theme games master or game master which was a game show which was all based around computer games and for some reason, uh, Patrick Moore, who was a famous astronomer, was picked as the face of Game Master to play this weird cybernetic person who would introduce uh, Sonic that week. Uh, and then Sonic would be the tournament game. And we would get gamers from across the UK to come and compete to who was best at Sonic that week. Uh, and then we'd move on to another game. And, and it would just be a game show based around computer games. It was a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ideas? it's fabulous. Yeah, I loved it because obviously a big Patrick Moore fan. Uh, met him in real life um, and had dinner with him and had a drink with him, you know, as you do. So, uh, yeah, I loved him anyway. And, and that was amazing to see him on a what effectively was a young person's show. And yet there he is, whatever, whatever he was at the time, 50s, 60s. Uh, un- uncool sort of person who didn't know anything about computer games, doesn't know anything about football or anything. <laughs> he, he only knows about astronomy. And he knows that so well, or he knew that so well. Uh, to, so to have him on a show like that was amazing. And, and yeah, I don't know how he got the gig, why he did it, whatever. But it worked. Um, yeah, someone asked him to do it. He just said yes and took the money, I think. That was <laughs> yes. it. Um, but he would he would talk about these games like he knew everything inside and out. Like, you need to go to the second hidden level of Zelda, and then that will take you to the mystical pie chest that will give you the bonus that you need to complete this level. He would say it so matter-of-factly, like he'd been playing the game for 
for years, even though it just came out. It was so weird. But yeah, he had no idea what he was talking about. He was given a script and he read it and that was it. Um, uh, keeping the, the geek flow going for the 90s, you have sliders. What if you could travel to parallel worlds the same year, the same Earth, only different dimensions? A world where the Russians rule America. Or where your dreams of being a superstar came true. Or where San Francisco was a maximum security prison. My friends and I found the gateway. Now the problem is finding a way back home. Which uh, is the multi-dimensional hopping parallel universe four years from 1995 up to the early parts of 2000 where a scientist a genius scientist in his basement creates a device that takes you to many parallel earths and uh, it could be an earth where russia invaded america where uh, the brits never lost the colonies uh, it could be one where all women have beards that was an episode believe it or not um <laughs> It was crazy, but you had Griff Reese Jones. You had uh, who is uh, you, you've got um, oh god, Quinn Mallory played by Jerry O'Connell, uh, and um, you have these four intrepid travelers trying to get home because they can't find their way back to their original earth. And will they make it back? Was the big hook of the whole show. Uh, sliders, anyone? Oh, I watched the heck out mm. of it. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. I just Googling everything you say. I'm just Googling to get an <laughs> idea of like the aesthetic and the people involved. You will feel, fall down a well. The first two seasons have the original four cast members. Then things start to fall apart. The writing Yeah, they, they the went through a lot of different gone. mess up yeah. kind of. Yeah. Somehow they explained it that a parallel Earth twin of the original character came back, but it's actually the brother of the actor who came to play the original character, but it's actually a parallel earth twin who somehow has a vested interest of getting back to his parallel earth. Not uh, really weird. Uh, then there was another parallel universe where the Cro-Magnons, not the mm-hmm. Homo sapiens evolved first. They became like the Klingons of the Sliders universe. And then it just kind of keeps going downhill from there. And it just got worse and worse and worse by the time you hit the last season. But watch the first two seasons because they're a really good high sci-fi concept show. And then just forget season three onwards happens. Just stick to one and two. Um, but Sliders, uh, you know, it was part of the afternoon watch for me. Uh, along with... Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Now, I didn't want to go on that because I know Casey has watched that. So if Casey does her version of this episode, I don't want to tread on those toes. But of course, I watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, one of the greatest theme tunes of all time uh, with my future wife, who is Alison Hannigan. Uh, we all know who she is. Um, she's up there. Uh, one time at band camp. Yeah. Oh, God. Absolutely. Can you tell that I am pleased as punch? I will put this picture on for the show notes. <laughs> But look at my face. <laughs> look at that I'm with smile. Alison Hannigan. I'm with her. I'm with my future wife. She didn't know it then, but she'll know it soon. Um, but no, I, um, my partner actually had a crush on her as well when he was a kid. So there must have been something about her. There is something about her. She's a very nice, very nice lady. Yeah, I'm just. Gonna... She's a nice lady. <laughs> the photo now. Nice. Forget, forget recording the rest of the episode. I'm just going to stare and look at my future wife. Oh, <laughs> so gorgeous. Um, sorry. Uh, where was I? I'm surprised um, you haven't turned that into a wedding photo or something. <laughs> I mean, I haven't. <laughs> There's a shrine. There's a shrine. Um, 
the last lot of the um, Antipodean invasion of Maya TV uh, was also sci-fi, Escape from Jupiter and Return to Jupiter, 1994, and then it took a break and then came back in 1997 for one season each. They escaped from Jupiter in what was kind of like a Poseidon adventure in space, a mining corporation that for some reason hired kids and the kids had to escape from Jupiter. And then for some reason they had to go back. So they returned to Jupiter. Very imaginative titles for the TV show, but um, I just could not take my eyes away from it. It was like every week, are they going to die in this mega death trap, which kind of harkened back to the where I started in the 69, the Batman every week. Will they escape the death trap? Oh, yes, they did. Oh, there we go. And we move on. Um, but they did eventually escape Jupiter and they eventually went back to Jupiter. And I just can't remember what the ending was. I had no idea how it ended because I don't think we actually got the final episodes here in the UK. It never actually managed to, to get to that point. So as far as I know, they collapsed into Jupiter and never got it back out again. So who knows? Um, and that's where I grew up. I I put aside my childish things and decided to uh, to forget the the big hooks, the big sci-fi concepts. Like, oh, you know, maybe I need to grow up now. I need to give up all this geeky lifestyle. So, of course, I get hooked on Dawson's Creek. Of course. <laughs> Of course, it's a natural progression. <laughs> Dawson's Creek from 1998 into 2003. It was kind of like the program you watched to be kind of like hip. And, you know, we're, we forget all the sci-fi things now. We've got to be all grown up now. And we can psychoanalyze ourselves. And, uh, you know, you, you talk in like really like emotional languages. And it was just one of those shows that was ever present in our conversations when we were at school and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, you kind of you start watching all the the bad boy tv you know the grown-up tv starts coming in and uh you're kind of watching um murder most horrid does anyone remember that from the uk it was dawn french's murder vehicle show it was from um uh, oh god it was the late 80s into the 90s but each week she would play another character a different character in a murder mystery and you would sort of follow it for half an hour but it was a comedy vehicle for dawn french you would watch these grown-up programs Blackadder was another one. Mm, so, mm -hmm. these, you know, you're starting to get the adult programs coming in. We only talk about the adult programs. We don't talk about the kids' shows anymore. It's just the adults. And it's like, oh, I'm I'm 14 and I've watched a grown-up show called Blackadder because they've been swearing and doing talking about all these silly things and sex. Ooh. Um, you know, we were so stupid back in those days. Um, Tamumranja? No? Nothing. No, don't worry. Nobody remembers it either. Uh, Fist of Fun and Tamarinja, which stands for This Morning with Richard Not Judy, uh, which was a comedy show. It was uh, um, uh, Lee, uh, Richard Herring and um, Lee, who were basically uh, comedians who did this really weird anarchic comedy program. Um, but we would all watch it because it was grown up. You know, it was, we're, we're doing grown up jokes now. We don't talk about all this. Um 
sitcoms came in, you know, you start to get your friends, your Frasier, still game, member having badly, two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. Go back and watch the young ones because we get it now because, you know, we're so sophisticated because <laughs> we watch the young ones. Uh, and Bottom, which is basically two guys hitting themselves with a frying pan every week. Uh, we watch horror to try and scare ourselves because we're tough and cool and we can watch The Predator now and Terminator. So, of course, we watch The Twilight Zone and Outer Limits and The War of the Worlds TV show and The X-Files. You know, we're all growing up now, so we're going to forget all of that. Um, talking of host shows, we move into the TFI Friday, which was a show that we all watched where it was a long over-the-night show where... Um, they would introduce music acts, other TV shows, and it would bring in Friends and Frasier and South Park and all this kind of stuff. But it was for late night viewers. So the people who'd grown up watching Motormouth and Going Live and Live and Kicking would then come into that as well. And now oh, we can hang out with our parents and, you know, we can watch these programs like TFI Friday or Noel's house party or the generation game we can hang out with the with the grown-ups now it's fine and then the innocence died then i wasn't watching kids programs anymore i wasn't even watching adult programs to be ironic then channel four launched and then channel five launched and then there came the watershed after 10 o'clock they can pro broadcast pretty much anything that you can think of and there was one program Bonjour, my British chums. It is Euro Trash. Euro Trash. Now, Sean is looking very confused right now. Don't worry. Everyone looks confused about Eurotrash. This was a French TV program that broadcast exclusively in the UK where they would go through sex dungeons, weird graphic, slightly pornographic material where they would interview uh, matriarchs, dominatrixes, you name it, but they would dub them from their original French-German Spanish, whatever country in Europe they came from, they would dub them with these really like northern voices. Like I like to put stuff things into his mouth, and then I use the whip on his buttocks, and it makes me laugh. And they would just highlight these different sexual activities by dubbing in these really weird voices over the top. Um, Eurotrash ended my childhood. It ended my innocence, and uh, basically these two French hosts are just lively and bright and camp and over the top. And it's almost like I've gone back to 1969 with Batman. And it ends my childhood and my childhood TV shows. So Eurotrash, Sean, you need to watch it. It will be an eye-opening experience. Oh, my goodness. Uh, sounds like it's it. A, it certainly is. I, I remember watching a couple of them and thinking... Where am I? What 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 <laughs> what world am I living in here that this is now a TV program? 
the the theme tune alone is really like uh, it gets in your head. So you're like na 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 na. And there were Pee and Popo who were two toilet roll bog brushes with a giraffe's head stuck on the top that were their puppets, making fun of how you would have puppets on all these host shows and things like that. It's like, ah, bonjour, Poppy, bonjour, Popo. What are you getting up to today? And then there would be some obscene graphic uh, like subtitles in the box, uh, on the bottom of the box where they would talk about all the things they were doing to each other. It's like, oh, naughty Pee and Popo, oh. And then they would move into the next segment. It was so weird, so fantastic but yeah no child should ever watch that program there were loads of other programs that i've missed in all of this that i do remember watching uh banzai which was a game show which was all based on japanese game shows but it was them sort of taking the mickey out of the, the extreme nature of game shows from japan with shaky hands man who would go and meet famous celebrities and shake their hands for as long as possible and you had to bet on how long it would take them to take their hand away <laughs> banzai was great it was so good um red dwarf which i know you've tried to watch sean actually as well one um, episode so far yeah but again i was much older when i came to red dwarf so i didn't really count it as my childhood but yeah it's it's good it's a sitcom it does get better the first season is a little bit rough and that's it i've really enjoyed listening about these different (laughs) shows there's one show that I was thinking about when you were talking about The Queen's Nose, which mm. came out in 97, which I've just Googled, um, called Bernard's Watch. Um, so I was <gasps> like, watch. Oh, I was yes. like just the right age for Bernard's Watch, which is the same kind of thing as The Queen's Nose. But there have been so many times in my life where I've been like, if only I had like Bernard's Watch right now, like I'm so tired. Let me just use the watch. I'll stop time with this little <laughs> pocket watch. I'll have a 10-hour nap. No one's any any the wiser. And then I'll unpause time and everything will go back to normal. And I've had a nice long sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Bernard's watch was just this program about this little boy with his pocket watch that would go around just basically solving really minor problems with this watch that could that could accomplish so much if like the queen's nose if we really wanted to but uh you know he he didn't use it selfishly like i would but he didn't uh use it on a very big scale either so uh bernard's watch was i would say one of the first shows for me um that just kind of came towards the tail end of some of the shows you were talking about which is quite interesting wow what a list there we go. That's gonna it's gonna make for some fun editing. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the, the other day, I thought, oh, I've just got a cosmic pizza this week. All we have to do is put the beginning bit on the beginning and the end bit on the end, and that's it. Don't have to edit it. Uh. <laughs> two years later I've, I've saved you all of the 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 uh, rabbit hole that you would have gone down youtube trying to find these theme tunes you so you've got the links you just pick and choose whichever one you want i've i've downloaded them as we've been there talking so uh, yeah i've got them ready to go but yeah that was fun that was fun i mean there's you started off with a lot of shows i, I recognized and then obviously i must have got a little bit too old for the, for the later ones uh, <laughs> went down then, in quality you mean yeah, okay yeah, I, I get it was, i get it there was a couple at the end there that I, i'd watched <laughs> you're a trash good grief you're um, a trash. and games master i'd forgotten all about yeah but yeah it was good mm. yeah 
So, and that's, uh, yeah. So, Casey, this it, it, you're up. You're up next in in not not next month, but the month after probably. Yeah. So you're gonna have to get your uh, thinking cap on and and. I know, um, and I'm just gonna sit here, and you are each gonna be as blank and vacant and as I have been for the shows <laughs> that you've talked about primarily. Um, I'm gonna have to try and throw in some some uh, ones that have been current throughout the times i think just so i don't lose everyone <laughs> <laughs> oh but there'll be but people yeah, out there uh, yeah, that, that will have, have heard of some of these shows at least so yeah i'm looking forward to it good well thanks very much for that dan no worries that's, uh, that's been really uh, really good fun uh, Thank you. Learning uh, more about you as we see what you've watched over the years. <laughs> it does explain a lot, to be fair. Yeah, Euro trash especially, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, you've got the background here. Obviously, our, our listeners can't see it. You know, there's the there's the whips at the back, and uh, obviously there's the chain mail. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, that's not a backdrop. That is actually his backdrop. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. That's him. yeah. Down! Get down! <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Uh, right. I suppose I should end this thing, shouldn't I, really? <laughs> before before <laughs> yes. I incriminate myself any further. <laughs> right. Well, uh, au revoir, my British jewels. You've been listening to the Cosmic Pete's podcast. Um, yeah, the grease in the Dad, Dad, do it in a French accent. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that's how I talk, yeah. It's, it's okay. It's um, German now. Where are you it's going? Gone, yeah. Well, because you're a trash. It's all over. Yeah. Uh, hello. Welcome. Um, so it's all over the place now. Uh, the grease in the box is cold. I'm sure there's something to do with pizzas, I'm supposed to say right now. Uh, join us, uh, same bat time, same pizza channel. I don't know. There's some way of signing off this prog- program. Uh, but that has been my childhood TV shows. What were yours from the 80s and the 90s? If you're from that era, what were yours? If you remember watch, uh, watching uh, Paul or Sean's programs, get back in touch with us. Get some feedback to us. Uh, and I cannot wait to find out what case he was watching uh, or the, uh, the time that she was growing up as well. Um, so thank you very much for listening. And you've been listening to the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. been your deliveries today. Please leave a tip at the door by subscribing for future deliveries. Rate and review our service and we hope you come back for more helpings next time. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr and TikTok by searching for the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. If you'd like to send us an MP3 file, you can email us on cosmicpizzapodcast at gmail.com and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. But Dan, that was so lovely. That was great. Is it nice going back through all your childhood shows and getting all nostalgic? Several nights wasted just watching the YouTube clips and falling down the rabbit hole. It is because you start watching the episodes. Mm, I should be doing this. (laughs) Your life goes. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.